Well, we are continuing our series in 2021, our first series of 2021 called Thrive Over Survive. And this morning we have something fun that we are going to do as our guests are getting themselves comfortable up here. We know that we were created to thrive in our relationship with Jesus, not just muddle through it or survive it, but to thrive. But in order for that to happen, we have to do our part. God has already done his part. Jesus has done his part like Elsa shared with us. But we have a part to do to grow in a relationship with Jesus as well. Now, we know that we don't do anything to earn our salvation, right? That's a gift of God's grace. But there is a scripture that tells us that we need to continue to work out our salvation. And I wanted to just share that with us as we get started. Philippians 2, verse 12, out of the Amplified Version of the Bible says this. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my absence, but now much more excuse me, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, and actively pursue spiritual maturity. That's where these spiritual disciplines come in. With awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. And that's where spiritual disciplines come in. Like Pastor Cooper shared with us last week, a spiritual discipline is any self-imposed habit or practice that assists us in focusing on Christ. So today we are going to be talking about the self-imposed habits or practices of humility, stewardship, service, and solitude slash rest. And there's never been a more critical time for us to do this. These things help us to keep our focus on Christ, and and there's never been a more critical time for us as believers to do that, right? Well, as you can see, we have a small panel here that's joining us to share in this conversation. And it's really life-giving for us to be able to hear from some different voices. So I want to introduce you to these people on the stage with me. First of all here, this is Jordan Bondo. And Jordan serves on our worship team. But another thing that Jordan does is he is one of our church council members here at Cheney Faith Center. The church council has this oversight of all of our finances. So Jordan leads, lends his wisdom and service to that. Then next to him is Kylie Booker. And Kylie leads our young adult ministry here at Cheney Faith Center, The Bridge, for that decade of young adulthood from 18 to 28. And we have young adults here serving and in our service, and we love young adults at Sheeney Face Center. And the bridge meets every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. in the comments. Just had to give the little shout out for you, Common, or for, for you, Kylie. Okay, and then of course you guys know Cooper, our highly esteemed associate pastor at Sheeney Face Center. <laughs> now, each of these people here are growing in their own personal relationship with Jesus through a variety of spiritual disciplines. So I'm really looking forward to what they have to share today. And I encourage you to get a pen handy to jot down some notes because I am confident and have been praying that each of us will hear something that will go right to our heart and help us take some next steps with Jesus. But as we get started, let's pray. 
Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be with you and to learn from you. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear what you would be speaking to us and let us be people who not only hear you but obey you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we have four spiritual disciplines we're speaking about today. The panel's gonna dialogue about these. I have some questions for them. They're gonna share some scriptures and maybe give some practical next steps or how these spiritual disciplines look in their own life. So first of all, we're gonna start with humility. And I wanted to ask Cooper to start out and, and let us know what does the Bible tell us about humility? I have nothing to share, Kate. I'm so humble <laughs> in this. <laughs> no, I think, um, well, also I think on the slides uh, for like humility, we'll have some scriptures listed that you can kind of be, uh, be directed towards and things. Um, I think the Apostle Paul does a great job in giving a framework and giving some great directives when it comes to humility. I want to read um, just quickly out of Philippians chapter 2, just starting from verse 1. Um, but I think in essence as well, like spiritual disciplines are an act of humility, whatever discipline you are doing, because you're choosing to actually place yourself under the lordship of, of God and to say like it's your ways that are higher than mine. So even in general... <coughs> Uh, spiritual disciplines are just an act of humility in and of themselves because um, we allow the Holy Spirit to refine us and who we are through the different things that we're going to talk through today, but even in the coming weeks. So it says this in Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. Uh, Paul says this to the church in Philippi. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, it won't be up on the screen, by the way. I'm just going to read it out loud. So if you're like, where's the verse at? Um, Use your Bibles. Read your Bibles. No. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. And then in verse five, he kind of goes into this little bit of like a resume for, for Jesus and how he showed us humility. It says this in verse five, and in your relationships with one, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Not only does that verse play well into humility and what is modeled by humility, but I think it plays well into our current cultural landscape of just modeling um, not what we want, but what's good for other people as well. Um, so I think that verse just speaks into a lot of different areas of our lives. But what we see is, is Christ humbled himself. Mm -hmm. He was God. He, 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 he deserved no pain. He deserved nothing, but he chose to serve first and to be humble and to have this life of, of humility be what speaks out in what he does. And so we have to be intentional to choose humility um, because I really believe it's a starting point to allow God to work in everything. Like we talked about with Bible reading, if, if we are prideful, 
We're going to read the Bible and say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Like, I got it all figured out. But we got to choose to be humble and understand, like, no, God has something here to refine me with. And so I need to let the word speak into my life. And so it really kind of starts with an act of humility when we come to really any spiritual discipline. So yeah, that's a little scripture for that. Thank so, you, Cooper. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's a great scripture. And by the way, when the scriptures are listed, I encourage you, if you are taking notes, to jot those down because we're going to have a little challenge for you at the end. So jot down those different scriptures. So Jordan, would you just continue that and, and share why you think that humility is just a real necessary spiritual discipline? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, I, I think really it's important because when you have a lot of pride, you tend to just focus more on yourself. Mm -hmm. And, well, that's really not good because everything that we have is from God, right? So right. if you um, make sure to have a good practice of being humble and not... I mean, it, it, while it's good to, you know, get praise for stuff that you do and be proud of, like, uh, you know, accomplishments that you have, um, you have to give credit where it's due because <laughs> really we don't have anything. We can't, we, if without God, we wouldn't be able to do anything, right? So That's right. if we don't have the focus on him and we just take it all to us, um, then he, it's not really going where it needs to go. And you're also not reflecting that properly towards other people if somebody comes to you and says, oh man, whatever you just did was really great, that I, you know, you're so amazing, really what you should say is thanks, but I couldn't do this without God because really he's the only reason that I have whatever skill it is in the first place. That's right. That's good, Jordan. And even to be able to accept Christ takes humility because we're saying it's not about us, it's about what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for sharing that. Kylie, I want you to wrap this little portion up with a next step someone could take um, to grow in the spiritual discipline. Now, of course, we know you can't just take one step to humble. <laughs> it's a journey of a, a thousand deaths, right? But Kylie, what's one practical step that someone could take? So as I was preparing for today, um, I started to think about when we're transforming moments in my life when it came to humility because um, obviously you're not born humble. <laughs> I mean, as a baby, you think everything is about you, rightfully so, because you're adorable. But, I mean, I really just kind of started to reflect of, like, when were moments where I saw just transformation and change in my life with humility? And one of the big moments that came to mind was five years ago I got off all social media, and that was a huge moment of change for me because I don't know if you've noticed social media is a lot about how you present yourself and it's all about you what you share and like I think the question on Facebook is like what are you thinking about right now or something like that but it's a really there's a huge emphasis on like what was the biggest vacation you just went on share about that or like um, what are your kids doing that's amazing right now um, and there's just a really big emphasis on me and how I present me to the rest of the world. And so when I got off all of that, man, there's a lot of free time in life to focus on the people that are right here with you um, and are doing life with you. And you're able to be, like Cooper said, a lot more intentional of being a good listener. I think that's something the Lord has stretched me in the last five years, and I'm still growing in it. Um, it's just listening well so that I can care well for people because... Um, 
a little pitch for Rooted if it ever comes back around. But I did Rooted a couple years ago, and Shona Short was in my group. Shona, if you're watching, hi. A little credit to you for this. Um, one of the things I learned during that Rude group was we are talking about how we feel cared for, and Shona said, one of the, I'm paraphrasing it, but one of the things I love best is when I tell someone something, and they remember the next time they see me and they check in with it. And so I think part of humility is think about yourself less and be a good listener. So that's the, the next step I'm giving. Listen well so you can care well and be intentional with the people in your life um, and think about others more. All right. Thank you. Humility is really a foundational spiritual practice that that. Um, allows us to grow in Christ because it takes the focus off of ourself. It puts it on Jesus and also puts it on others. So thank you guys. Okay. Now, and we're, we're not giving each of these a long um, drawn out time because we simply don't have the time for it, but there's nuggets here that I want you to take. And there'll be, like I said, a challenge at the end. Okay. So now we're going to move on to stewardship. And Jordan, often when we talk about stewardship, people think that stewardship just has to do with our money, but there are other um, examples of stewardship found in the Bible, things that the Bible says. So what are some other um, biblical examples or references to stewardship that the Bible speaks about? Yeah, sure. Um, well, so I guess like right off the bat, the first thing that God had man do in Genesis was he put man in the garden to take care of everything. That's right. So it's not just about money. It's literally about everything. Mm-hmm. God has given us everything, and it's our responsible our responsibility to take care of everything that God has given us. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I think that's my answer. Okay, <laughs> that's a great answer. Just go right to the back to the beginning. But Jordan, do you also have any personal examples? And I know you're a very humble person, but do you have any personal examples of how God has worked and helped you to grow in in stewardship? Uh, yeah, I mean, he everything that I have that he's asked me to do just kind of comes at a time that he knows I'm going to be ready for it. So, mm-hmm. for example, just getting um, finances in order. I didn't care about that for the longest time. And then all of a sudden, one day, I was like, why is why, why don't we have any money? What, what do we do about this? And um, then he, I, I just decided, I guess really, I decided I'm going to start listening. And so <laughs> I thought, well, okay, why, why is everything like this? How should I be doing this? Um, I think I did the thing a lot of people do, write stuff down and then do like find some program to get onto. How can I get in control of this? And it turns out there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about how to take care of things like your money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, like most of Proverbs is about how to take care of stuff, right? So mm-hmm. if you need stuff about... Um, being good stewards of stuff, just read Proverbs because that's Solomon talks about how you take care of everything through that. So, um, what else was there? So, just how uh, <laughs> personal examples that's oh, a great one. Yeah, yep. Hearing, fr- hearing, <laughs> hearing, and obeying yeah. that's awesome. But the thing is, you took the time to hear, right? Right, yeah. And, and it's you know, that was just an example with money, but it's done that with other stuff like. Uh, when I bought my first house, I was like, oh, now I have a thing I have to take care of. <laughs> and I got, and the way that I got my house was kind of like I moved over here, and then my grandmother get, decided to give me some early inheritance money. And my parents were like, hey, why don't you buy a house? And I was like, okay, all of a sudden I'm in this position where I have something more to take care of. Mm-hmm. 
um, which before that happened, there was no way I would have been responsible enough to do it. So <laughs> uh, for me anyways, a lot of stewardship stuff has just come from God putting me in a position where he knows I'll be able to take care of it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just kind of everything around in my life put it all just fell into the right place along with what God had wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing that. That's a good example. Cooper, there's things that can get in the way of stewardship, especially living in um, a affluent nation such as ours. So how are some ways that we can push back or remedy the um, stumbling blocks to stewardship? Yeah, I think a lot of times it could be that we become complacent in not only our faith, but in what God has given us as well. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple, a couple months ago, and he reminded me that like almost every day we should remind ourselves of just the gospel truth that we are saved, that this life is not just like ours for the taking, like Christ has given us this life. And mm-hmm. he said he reads Psalm 130 almost every day that just talks about how there is forgiveness in the Lord and there is salvation in the Lord. And when we come to a place of acknowledging like, yeah, like I am, I'm saved by grace. Like this is, this is not anything that I've earned. Like God has given me this life. We tend to probably respect and look at what God's given us in a different lens than just taking it for granted, whether it be our relationships, our jobs, our houses, finances, um, whatever it might be. We just are in a position to be like, wow, like I need to be a good steward of what's happening. So I guess a way to remedy that is to just get recentered back to that mm-hmm. central truth, that gospel truth of what Christ has done for us and not what we have done um, outwardly. So That's very good. And aren't you grateful that we do have a fresh start each new day that we can get recentered back on the truth of the gospel? Well, one of the things that flows out of a proper understanding of stewardship is our service. And so that's the next spiritual discipline that we want to talk about. And one of the things that I've really learned and appreciate about Kylie from working together over this past year and a half or so at the bridge is that really service is part of your life's mission, Kylie. Um, And I've really grown and learned from you in that. So can you just share a little bit about how that became so ingrained in you? So another great moment of reflection. I've told Kate we had a little Zoom meeting on Thursday. I was like, Kate, it's just been so good. These questions you gave me really made me reflect over my entire life. Um, And I thought back to like, yeah, when did I start to enjoy service or when did I begin to value it? Um, And it started as a young kid. I grew up in a small community called Connell, if any of you guys know it, (laughs) if you drove by the prison. Um, (laughs) But it started there. And and I feel like in a small community, I think some people think Cheney's small to me, it's big. But um, I mean, it takes a community to make things happen and it takes everyone working together. And my parents really modeled that really well for me and my sisters. Um, Just this idea of volunteering and valuing going and putting your time in places that you're passionate about and that you love. So it started kind of with just my family unit and having that model um, and then taking us along to go serve. And then it kind of grew as I grew up and I started going to youth group at my church. Um, There was just needs in the community and we had young and able bodies. So they're like, (laughs) yeah, go pick up potatoes that were missed during harvest so we can take them to the food bank. And just things like that that are small and easy to do um, if you're just willing to give your time. So from there, also during youth group, 
We took a summer mission every summer with an organization called YouthWorks. Little did I know it would completely change my life and transform me. Um, but I, so I went on three missions with YouthWorks while I was in high school, and then I decided I wanted to work with them during the summers during college. And this past summer um, was the first summer I haven't worked with them. You guys all know why. <laughs> but the missions were shut down this summer, um, and it was something I really missed because, like Kate said, like service is just really on my heart. But YouthWorks um, facilitates mission trips for now ages middle school. And I think they're going to try to release some for college this summer, but it didn't happen. But normally, their high schoolers are the main thing. So you get placed in a community somewhere in the U.S. Um, so I've been able to travel with them and just experience different cultures, um, really learn a lot more about the church in the broad sense. I mean, going to the Midwest and living in a church and serving communities over there, um, I mean, we all love Jesus, but it just looks a little different as you travel from church to church and how they worship um, and how they learn and how they come together has been really neat. So I think I've used, I value service also because it's a way to educate myself um, and to experience peop, uh, new people. Um, and I also think service is great because you make relationships, you build connections with people. And I think it's really tempting to want to learn about people and issues just by researching or watching the news and just hear and see. But it's a whole nother thing. I mean, when we talk about thriving over sur surviving, it's a whole nother thing to go thrive and actually be serving amongst people and with people um, versus just learning about these people or these issues. Um, so yeah, I value service because my family taught me to value it, my church taught me to value it, and then just my experience um, and value in educating myself and getting to be the hands and feet of Christ is really unique um, because, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be, be a missions. I mean, this summer when I didn't get to go serve, I was supposed to look over four different communities and get to travel in between them throughout the summer. And I'm like, man, like, how am I going to serve this summer? I don't have youth works. <laughs> and the Lord was like, you don't need youth works to serve. <laughs> like, I've placed you in a community this summer. It's Cheney, Washington, mm -hmm. where you've been for the last six years, seven years now, wow, um, and you can serve here. And so it was, it was really good to be reminded, like, it doesn't have to be a missions trip. You can serve anywhere, anytime. I mean, maybe your service is just showing up to work and doing a good job at work, or it's showing up to Faith Kids. I know they just sent out the email of like, hey, we're ready for you to come back and help us uh, love on kids and love Jesus. So it, service can look like so many different things, um, but I think... I know there's parents watching, and I know there's kids watching too, but I think teaching your kids to value service at a young age um, is a game changer because then you don't have to learn it as an adult. It's already just instilled in you, and it's just out of overflow. Um, mm -hmm. It's really good, and I think Jesus sets that example for us of being a servant leader. Amen. All right. Service is uh, uh, the soil that God used to grow us in our faith in so many different ways. So Jordan, I have a question for you. Do you think that we're called to serve within the church or outside the church or how can we have time to do both? Well, I, I'm pretty sure that we're called to serve everywhere all the time. Um, uh, Jesus, You're going to heaven now, Jordan. Good job. <laughs> all right. You passed. I dropped this, but I need it. Um, that's the whole reason Jesus came, right, was to, as a servant, it says somewhere that 
that's the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. Um, and he gave it, he did that all the time. Like, just you can pretty much read anywhere in the New Testament, and it's either him talking about or, or somebody writing about him serving, or, well, really, that's what it all is, is why he was here, what he did, and, and how he served. How do we make time for that? Um, I don't really think there needs to be a differentiation between I'm serving outside and inside the church because the church, if you want to take it in the context of how, how do I make time to serve at church in the building, well, you're only here like once a week, right? So mm-hmm. that should be pretty easy. You just go uh, one of these weeks that I go to church, I'm going to shake hands with people at the door whenever we're allowed to do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. And then as far as serving outside of the church, or outside of church service time, I don't think there's any difference because the church, you can still serve the church outside of being here. Um, If you have somebody that you know that goes from here that's like moving or they need help, I don't know, they're sick and need somebody to go buy groceries for them or whatever, you know, that's a way to serve in the church. At the same way, if you have a neighbor who doesn't go to our church or isn't a believer that needs you to go and buy groceries because they're sick, you can do exactly the same thing. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to serve for the church on Tuesday, and then I have to serve for outside the church on Wednesday. It's just people need stuff all the time, um, and you're able to do something. Everyone's able to do something for somebody, and I think that's really all it means. You don't have to try and make time between one or the other because... Everybody needs something, and everybody's able to do something. That's very well said. And service isn't something we do. It's who we are. That's what you're saying. And that's, and that is a reflection of Jesus. That's how we can show the world who Jesus is, is by serving, because that's what Jesus came to do. All right, we have one final discipline that we want to talk about. And we kind of did a slash here, so solitude slash rest. We want to join those two together. And I'd like Pastor Cooper to share, get us started and share some scriptures and thoughts about that. Yeah, Um, with solitude and rest, it's probably one of the more overlooked spiritual disciplines within our culture and within just the modern, let's say, Western church, the Church of America. Um, because it can be seen as lazy or like not a discipline, <laughs> like a discipline to rest. That doesn't sound like a discipline. Like we think of disciplines like you got to put the work in and do this and this. But honestly, it does take work to actually be intentional to rest and be with Jesus and to allow some time to just allow the Lord to speak. Um, it's, it's a discipline that says it's not me being in charge, but it's reminding myself that, that God is. That it's not me directing everything in this world, but, but God is. So I'm going to rest and allow him to be Lord. Uh, Genesis 2 gives us that, directed, um, or that, that directive in just the creation, in the creation account, where on the seventh day, God rested, right? He mm-hmm. took intentional time to just be. And that same value carries throughout the whole of Scripture. And um, Jesus kind of takes it and changes it from more of a legalistic, like you have to rest and all these rules and regulations to more of a heart motive of being um, in, in moments to rest with God and to be in solitude with God. Um, a book that I've skimmed through and have kind of been reflecting on and want to actually read, read, is one by a pastor named A.J. Swoboda. He's a four-square pastor, but he wrote this about the Sabbath. He says, 
Um, and this is, you know, having a moment to rest, having like a Sabbath, a time to rest. He says, Sabbath dethrones humanity from its self-aggrandized place of lordship over creation by handing authority of the world back to the one to whom it already belongs. Um, and I think in Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. We are called to just have moments to just be still, to be in solitude, to rest, and know that God is God. And that I'm not God, that I'm not the one running my life, but that God is. And so I think we just, yeah, just need to have those moments to, to be under the lordship of who, of who God is. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you, Cooper. I'm going to come back to Jordan here because you're a dad with young kids, maybe seven and four, right? Seven and four, yeah. Seven and four. I knew. Just, just for another, like couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. Seven and four years old. All right. So how do you personally make some time in your schedule for that rhythm of solitude and rest? Um, so I decided a long time ago that I was just going to have to do it early in the morning. Uh, there's a number, like there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, it was just a good time to get up before everybody else, but it also allowed me to get to work earlier so I could leave earlier so I could get home and have some time with my kids before they went to bed. Um, so it just kind of worked out in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, so I, I just, sometimes it's really hard to get up. Sometimes I was up late because, I don't know, there's a project I'm working on or whatever. Um, but I just set my alarm for 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, it used to be earlier when I actually had to go to work. Uh, but I've been getting up, like I get up at 5 now and I go up and have a cup of coffee and just kind of stare at the wall for like 10 minutes until I wake up. <laughs> Uh, and re- and think about oh, what am I going to do? And it does. It takes even just in doing that. It takes a lot of uh, determination and will, I guess, to not just start scrolling through nonsense on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, having something that has, has like a reading plan that you can set a reminder for. Say, hey, set this off at five o'clock in the morning. So when I pick my phone up, it's the first thing that shows up there, and then I don't have to think about what am I going to do this morning. Oh, out there, there's something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way that I make time for it. And another, this isn't ne- totally like specifically set aside time for just studying the word, or but it is time for being with God. And it's not like it's kind of a side bonus of doing this, but I like to go hunting. And or hiking or whatever, just being mm-hmm. outside. And sometimes I'll go do it by myself. And while I'm walking around out in the woods or fields or whatever, um, almost always there will be something that I see that's like there. There's God right there, and you can just sit and appreciate it. One spot. I don't even know if I want to share the spot. <laughs> One spot though is if if you go. This, this is not a hunter. This is not a hunter spot. This is a, anybody can go and appreciate a spot. Um, in the cemetery on Salnave, if you walk all the way up to the top, off to the corner, there's a spot where the trees kind of part, and there's a fence, and you can look out over all the fields. Wow. I've got some pictures, like with my family and stuff up there, and and certain times of year when, you know, the fields are all full of wheat or whatever they happen to be growing and the sun is in, I mean, you can just stand there and watch the sun go down and you're like, there is no way that anybody could look at this and not feel God's presence here. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, Jesus oftentimes would withdraw from people to go be with his father, oftentimes in the morning or at, at different times. That's very, very important. And it's very life-giving because that's where our stewardship falls 
flows from, our service, our humility, all of it flows from those times with Jesus. Now, I have a, a question for Pastor Cooper. I have a couple young adult ladies here that asked me a question a couple months ago. They were reading through the Bible, and they came up with a question about um, the Sabbath, and they asked me, they said, you know, we're seeing in the Bible that Sabbath is really important, but if it's so important, if it's even like a Ten Commandment, why doesn't the current church culture <laughs> seem to make it a value? And I thought, that is a very good and insightful question. So, Pastor young Cooper. Young adults are smart. Yes, young adults are super smart. So, Cooper, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it comes down to blue ribbons and awards, <laughs> so, so to speak, like, we want to accomplish things. We live in a culture that shows accomplishments by what you do on the external. And another quote from that book that I uh, was talking about by A.J. Swoboda says this. It's not like a stick it to the man quote. I wanted to say that. <laughs> but it says this. The problem with the Sabbath is there are huge rewards and incentives for not actually doing it. Modern church growth has basically been built on no rest. Mm-hmm. Our church industrial complex take that with a grain of salt, generally rewards Sabbath breaking as a rule. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our environment, in our culture, um, we see the more you do, the better mousetrap you build, whatever it might be, the more rewards you get. And so we, we take that into our spiritual life, into our church life. And God's economy is backwards. It's upside down. Mm-hmm. God does not reward based on how well you are. It's the complete opposite. And so taking the Sabbath or taking a time to rest is intentionally saying like, I'm not going to depend on me to get the reward. I'm going to submit to the Lord and allow him to continue to refine me because that's where we want to be. We don't want to be in places where we're just going on our own effort because we are going to burn out. Um, you ask probably most pastors and there's been moments of like, yeah, I, I am burnt out. And this season was a hard season for me. And a lot of times what's sad is pastors just give up. Or people in ministry just give up. And it can happen in other jobs as well, right? Um, but mm-hmm. we have to take intentional time to take a Sabbath, to be restful, to have solitude. And like you said, Jesus modeled that a lot. There was this funny uh, like meme or sure, I don't know if you've seen it, but it says, be like Jesus, take naps. <laughs> I um, because love he, that. <laughs> he, he would take naps, quote unquote, but he would take time to just go be with Jesus and to pray and to talk with his father. And I think we should take a little bit of a lesson from that and um, take intentional time to just be with Jesus and not always have to do something to gain approval from an outside source about how good we are, how great we are. And um, yeah, it's, I think that's probably, I guess, why. Mm-hmm. There's another, I appreciate those quotes. And would you be able to give us the name of that book? Because yeah. I'm going to give yeah, a couple the, the resources. The book is called Subvers- Subversive Sabbath. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, that's tricky. Subversive Sabbath by A.J. Swoboda. Okay, great. There was a couple other um, resources that I wanted to reference. There's a quote that says, hurry is violence on the soul. And that's what we're talking about here. That hurry, hurry, hurry. It's not good for the soul. That's um, from... John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. There's another book about the Sabbath called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and that's by a woman named Marva J. Dawn. And if you want to just kind of get a quick view of what Sabbath is about, I follow a gal on Instagram named Annie F. Downs, and she has a whole highlight reel on her story about Sabbath because she's learning to be intentional about it. It is something that you have to be intentional about. 
um, whether, however you practice that. Kylie, do you have something you want to yes. share about that? talking about service and serving and it's perfect that they're together on Sunday um, rest and service go hand in hand you have to in order to be a good servant you have to be a good rester and I've learned that the hard way multiple times um, and it's funny I do you're talking about that verse where it says to be still I actually got those words put on my body right before quarantine <laughs> happened and I'm a horrible rester I'm a go-getter like I after I finished my master's, I'm like, okay, what's next? After I finish a youth work summer, okay, what's next? Like, I'm just ready to go always, and the Lord has convicted me of that um, through many growth plans with youth works. That's always my goal every summer is to be a better rester. But um, they, it, I put those words on my body, and then the world shut down. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it, it was just a really a moment, an ironic moment, but also, like I call it a God moment, of like, okay, Kylie, you really have no other choice right now. Like, you no longer work. Um, you're in your house all day. Like, take some intentional rest time. Um, and I think when we look at service, it, we always just want to, okay, do the task, be with the people, and but then you're reminded Jesus walked away at times like he needed rest. Mm -hmm. God created the world. He needed mm -hmm. rest. And, and it's a value that often gets forgotten because, yeah, we want to progress forward constantly. Mm -hmm. So but they really go hand in hand. You can't, be, can't do one without the other. Right. Because we serve and we give out of the overflow. And if there's nothing that's being filled up, there's no overflow to give. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time to share with us today. And I mentioned that I had a little closing challenge for us. And this is only if you feel that the, the biggest challenge always whenever we hear something is to hear and obey. <laughs> Our challenge is to obey whatever God is placing before us. And the amazing thing is, is no matter how many of us are watching this, listening to this, there's something different that God's spirit speaks for each of us because he knows right where we're at in every different path of our life. And so, but here's a challenge for you. If you would, if one of these stood out to you, whichever four of these disciplines stood out to you, I encourage you to read those scriptures that we shared and then ask God to show you what your next step would be to grow in that particular spiritual discipline. And, you know, when Mark and Cooper and I were talking about this series, one of the main goals that we had for this was that oftentimes in our spiritual life, we, we realize that God does his part, but then we don't put in the, the time and the effort to do our part. And it is a relationship just like any other relationship. It's only going where um, both are going. And so we want to encourage you in that. So I'm going to close us in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for so this has been just such a rich service from the opening to this moment. We have sensed your presence with us, and for that, we are so grateful. Jesus, it is all about you. And in any time or place where in our personal life or corporate life, it's not about you. We ask you to just get us right back on track with you because you are life. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And we want to stay in alignment with that um, truth. So thank you for this time together. Help us to just really dig into these spiritual disciplines because that is how we thrive in this world. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, have a great week and always remember Jesus loves you very much and so do Mark and I. Take care.